0: Welcome to Anko Farm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm a professor of pharmacy practice here at our supporting sponsor, ETSU's Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy. It's the end of 2023. Last, last episode of the year for me, Clark. Uh, this is um, what's becoming a tradition. Third time, I believe, that uh, that I'm doing this. Go through all the new drugs approved this year, sort of in a fun way, and I ask at this this holiday season: are we gonna keep? This drug, regift it or return it, as you might do after opening presents. Um, we've talked about all these drugs in some depth after their approval. This is meant to be kind of a fun review. You know, the, I think one of the <clears throat> one of the ways to to kind of use this podcast for your professional development is you know we're these are short weekly episodes. Hopefully, it's a part of your your continual professional development uh, program. You know, it's really hard to to. Uh, I don't know. To, to, it's hard to learn sometimes, and so I hope that, that in listening to this throughout the year, um, you know, you, you become familiar with some things, and, and when you really need to know this information for patient care purposes, it's a little bit easier to to, uh, to dig deep and to find this sort of stuff, so we're not going to hit everything. Obviously, we've talked about these in, in some depth before, um, but we're kind of going to go through these. It's meant to be fun. It's in the year. It's kind of lighten things up, so... Um, Let's go back to January 27th. We had the FDA approval of Pertobrutinib, which is a Bruton's tyrosine kinase inhibitor. Um, It is a non-covalent Bruton's tyrosine kinase inhibitor, which makes it a first generation, first in generation, so a second generation BTK inhibitor. And it has activity uh, in patients who have already received Bruton's tyrosine kinase inhibitors and have that c 480 or have C481 mutations. Originally, it was approved back then for relapsed, refractory, mantle cell lymphoma. But just uh, this month, actually got an approval um, in the third line for CLL. CLL, the most common uh, leukemia in adults. <clears throat> That's we are going to see this drug, I think, used a lot. That's a keep. Uh, big thing about perturbitinib, lots and lots of drug-drug interactions. Talk to your pharmacist. Uh, the same day, we had the approval for elastastrin, which is an antigen Receptor antagonist. It was approved based on the Emerald study. Postmenopausal estrogen receptor positive, HER2 unamplified, ESR1 mutated metastatic breast cancer. So, this is the, the first approval we had for a, a specific mutation to the estrogen receptor, ESR1 mutated, uh, um, Second line study of metastatic breast cancer. It's a, you know, it's, I think, elastrin, it's an oral drug. Um, kind of in the vein of full vestrant, but but oral, I think, uh, and we've got some, maybe some targeted use here with this ESR1 mutation, which is a um, you know a mechanism of resistance to estrogen receptor therapy uh, target therapy. So I, this is a keep. This is a drug that's going to have uh, that's going to have a role, and since breast cancer is so common, uh, I think this is a drug I would keep. Uh, going to March, retifanlimab, which is uh, a me too. Uh, program death one uh, monocle- targeting monoclonal antibody it was approved for advanced merkel cell carcinoma r.i.p jimmy buffett who died this year from merkel cell carcinoma uh, I, I wouldn't say that i'm a huge jimmy buffett fan nothing against him uh, just not my vibe of music uh, i'm gonna return this drug we have lots and lots of uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors not sure that we need another one so this is a return no offense map. On 519, we had an approval for Epcoritamab, which is a, a bispecific targeting CD20 and CD3, maybe not targeting, bringing together CD3 on the B cells and CD3 on cytotoxic T cells. And so approval was relapsed, refractory, diffuse large B cell lymphoma and high grade B cell lymphomas. It is a subcutaneous drug. And I'm gonna talk about that in combination with uh, the next approval, which happened on June 16th, about a month later, for glofitimab, similar approval, similar bispecific, CD20, CD3. This approval for glofitimab is relapsed, refractory diffuse large B-cell lymphoma, and large B-cell lymphoma, um, it is IV. Um, you know, so I think the, the role for these, if I had to keep one, uh, not thinking of... Of uh, really uh, the the cost involved things like this, I'd go with epcortimab because sub Q versus glofitamab IV, which I would re because there's there's a role for, for these agents, especially uh, with the you know the the restrictions and the funneling pipeline and getting access to CAR T. I think these drugs will have will have a role, so I'd keep uh, epcortimab uh, and re gift glofilimab, but um, you know certainly is going to be a role for for these uh, for this drug class. Uh, 620 we had the approval for Quisartnip. This is a FLT3 inhibitor that was approved for newly diagnosed AML patients who have a FLT3 ITD, only the internal tandem duplication, not the ITD um, and the TKD mutation, which mitostarin is approved for. Uh, Quisartnip is approved in a very similar study design to the study that got uh, mitostarin approved. Uh, we don't know that it's better than mitostarn, but what we do know is it is more toxic than mitostarn. It has the most boxed warnings I've ever seen, I think, for uh, cardiovascular uh, disease. Uh, it has a REMS program. There's a boxed warning for cardiovascular death, for torsades, for QT, prong, pr- QT prolongation. It has, quote, a level of QT prolongation that uh, does not predict the risk of arrhythmia, or the risk of arrhythmia is not clear based on the degree of QT prolongation. And that is because, as we talked about, it inhibits the slow delayed rectifier potassium channel. All other drugs, according to the PI that we know about, that prolong the QT interval do so by blocking the rapid delayed rectifier potassium channel. Um, Don't see an overwhelming role in therapy because of mitostarin. Uh, and a lot of toxicity, I would return this drug and just keep mitostarin. Uh Maybe if Quizard and folks want to do a head-to-head study against Midostarine, I would love to uh, to, uh, to go back to the store and, and buy this. All right, on uh, August 9th, we had the approval for uh, talquetamab, which is a for, uh, monoclonal antibody for relapsed refractory. It's a bispecific for relapsed refractory, multiple myeloma, after four lines of therapy, including a proteasome inhibitor, an IMID, and a CD38-targeting monoclonal antibody. This is a GPR-C5D, CD3 bispecific. So GPR-C5D is a, a transmembrane protein. It's a target. We have a CAR-T product for myeloma targeting this. Um, this is the first bispecific. going to be easier to use than CAR-T, uh, so I would keep this, or at least more more opportunity to use this than CAR-T. So I would keep talquetamab. Uh, the same day, we had approval for L-Rantamab, uh, similar approval, relapsed refractory myeloma after four lines of therapy, uh, same as what we just saw for Talquetamab. It is a BCMA CD3 bispecific. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a me too. We already have Teclistamab's approval last year, which was also a CD3 BCMA bispecific Teclistamab. People have more experience with, I would, I would re-gift L-Rantamab to someone who can't get Teclistamab. Uh, on uh, October 27th, Torapalamab was approved for nasopharyngeal uh, uh, carcinoma. Uh, this is a, a type of head and neck cancer that is, uh, I think, uh, almost required to have Epstein-Barr virus uh, infection uh, as, a, as an inciting factor Um, It is uh, almost entirely present in Asia. In fact, the approval for this study uh, was 100% Asian population. Um, Nasopharyngeal carcinoma is is rare in the US. It's a very aggressive disease. This is a PD-1 inhibitor. Um, uh, And uh, kudos for doing a a dedicated study in nasopharyngeal carcinoma, but not something that I think has a role here, uh, at least not uh, not widespread. So I would re-gift this to a part uh, to folks who would need this for this, uh, for nasopharyngeal carcinoma. Again, it's also a PD-1 inhibitor. We have, uh, by my count, uh, 1,304 PD-1 or pdl one inhibitors now on the market. On November 8th, we had the approval for uh, fruquintinib for metastatic colorectal cancer, uh, after they had received, like, the Folfox and the Folfuri and the Bevacizumab and Cetuximab or Pentatumab, if they were, uh, you know, RAS wild-type. This improved overall survival versus tritip, tip uh, trifluridine, trifluoridine, uh, or regorafenib. So it had a pretty good control arm. Now, unfortunately, at the time that this uh, publication came out, we already had a new standard of care for this deep in the metastatic colon cancer therapy, which had been tritip, tip tapiracil, trifluoridine, and bevacizumab. Uh, despite that, there was an overall survival benefit. Uh, this is maybe a more potent inhibitor of the VEGF, receptor 3 isoform. So I'm kind of torn between regifting and keeping this. Um, I think probably what I would do is, is check the return policy on this drug and see how late I can hang on to it until I'd have to, uh, to return it or, or regift it. Um, so I'm going to keep it. You know what? I'm going to keep it. Let's, you know, let's keep it. All right. Uh, a week later on November 15th, we had the approval for uh, repotrectinib, for advanced metastatic uh, ROS1 non-small cell lung cancer. Uh, This has, uh, you know, you kind of give half dose for two weeks and then go to full dose. Uh, Has approval in the first line setting and in the second line setting after patients had had disease progression on a ROS1 inhibitor. I think for that standpoint, you would keep it. uh, To have that data in the second line setting I think is important uh, for these folks. So I I would keep uh, ripotrectinib. On 1116, we had the approval for tip in combination with fulvestrant for hormone receptor positive, HER2 unamplified, advanced breast cancer with a PI3 kinase AKT or p10 alteration. This is the one that's up, you know you're remember that PI uh, PI3 kinase pathway. It's a pretty ubiquitous pathway. A lot of toxicity. The dosing here is 400 milligrams BID. Uh, four days, three off, so it's the modern corporate work schedule, drug dosing regimen Um, you know, I'm learning this pathway, another one that I'm probably going to keep but I'm going to find out where I'm going to make sure I get a gift receipt, in case I do want to return this, in case we, you know it's not uncommon for newly approved drugs for like new scary toxicities to to crop up after it gets used in a wider population, so something that I'm, I'm cautiously keeping, I would say on 1127, we had approval for neurogasisNAT for desmoid tumors, which is not technically a cancer. This is a gamma secretase nipper. It's a first in class approval. That's interesting to me. And because of that novel mechanism of action, I would keep this. Potentially some role in some other cancers as well uh, down the line. And then uh, most recently, uh, this month, a drug we have not talked about, we had approval for eflornithine uh, for high risk neuroblastoma. Uh, it's a drug that's taken for two years, kind of almost an adjuvant setting to prevent uh, recurrence. It's an ornithine decarboxylase inhibitor, and that enzyme is the is the first and also the rate-limiting right step in the production of polyamines, and, and also responsible for the production of in. And, and essentially, what this does is helps to induce senescence in some of these neuroblastoma. Uh, like stem cells, and senescence is kind of like sleeping and prevents these cancer cells uh, from growing, uh, and, and it reverses the metabolic state that helps, you know, these neuroblastoma cancer cells thrive. Um, it has a, a lot of potential, and if you look at PubMed for f F-flor- or oranthine decarboxylase inhibitors, you see a lot of information about chemoprotection, a lot of study in, in folks with precancerous conditions like uh, adipopolyposis uh, colorectal disease, or APC. So there, there's something here that's interesting that makes me want to keep this. Uh, even though I'm, I'm not a pediatric uh, hematology oncology pharmacist, neuroblastoma is a neuroblastoma is a pediatric malignancy um, uh, most commonly, uh, and that's where most of this study was. But because of the novelty of how this works, I think it's worth keeping track on. So this is one that, that I would keep. One we haven't talked about, and if um if we had more of a PEDS audience and, and, and more of a PEDS-centric focus, would would spend more time talking about. Uh, so that that is, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. Here I was thinking it was kind of a slow year. Still 14 new drugs approved, uh, and that's not even counting one uh, to help uh, prevent neutropenia that I, don't, that I would also return. Not even worth talking about, in my opinion. Um so that is, that is, you know, the the year in Onco Farm 2023 in about 10 minutes. Uh, thank you all for for listening um, and, uh, and for all the, the nice the nice ratings and stuff like that, all the love on social media with this, the Spotify raps. Um, thank you again. Uh, you can follow the podcast on the app, formerly known as Twitter, at OncoFarmPod, and you are at, uh, yeah, at Onco Farm Pod. Follow me at FarmRetnib on that app and, and OncoFarmPod on threads and Instagram. And until I talk to you again, remember... Doses matter.